0: There's tremendous comfort in that, isn't there? Those words. Today's message is relational prayer. It takes courage to trust someone with things or people you hold dear. You become vulnerable, you show your true self, your needs. And there's also the risk of rejection, of a door being shut in your face. But when we come to our Heavenly Father, our Papa God, we are coming to the one who knows us most and loves us best. And his door is always open. Ask, seek, knock. What is it that you are looking for? What questions do you have? What would you like to talk with him about today? The Bible reading today is from Luke chapter 11, reading from verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, Well, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened which of you fathers if your son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion if you then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Over
1: to you, Pastor Peter. Thanks, Georgie. You know, it was in uh, January the 5th, 1985, after having stood at the altar on Saturday afternoon in the Nil Lutheran Church in Victoria, having said I do to my wife, Julie, that I did something even more frightening. I went up to a man who hadn't sired me, hadn't disciplined me, hadn't blessed me, I hadn't grown up in his house And I shook his hand and I looked him in the eye and I swallowed and I said, Dad. I now had a father-in-law. And I'd made the decision before we got married that I was going to call my father-in-law Dad. The decision to marry Julie was easy. Convincing her was more difficult, but uh, that's another story. But choosing to call my father-in-law dad was one of the hardest things I'd ever done. And yet over the years, it became more natural. My goal in this message this morning is simply to release you into the ease that will come through a hard decision to go deeper into the father heart of God and whatever your experience of prayer has been and in a room this size, they will be vast and varied to go deeper than we have before, whatever that looks like for you. <clears throat> we were leading a conference uh, somewhere in Australia and uh, the conference was a, was a wonderful success Friday night and, and all day Saturday And Sunday they asked me to preach and uh, they had a a big cross up the front with lilies all over it because the Sunday before had been Easter. And at the end of the message, I sensed to invite people to come forward and to surrender, to give up whatever had been holding them back in their relationship with uh, Heavenly Father. I said, when you come forward, I want you to give, hand over at the cross, whatever... Concept, word, thought, fear, mistrust, inhibition, that it is. And if you don't know what it is, just stand there and ask and trust that it will come. This one man, and I know this because he told me a week later, he said he got to the foot of the cross. He said, I've just, I just been going to church or so. I only came because I was on the board and uh, thought, well, supposed to come. He said, he said I'm, I'm, I'm a governance person. He said, I'm, I'm a facts and figures And he said, so I turned up at the conference and he said, well, throughout the conference, Holy Spirit just drew me, I mean, he's saying this later, drew me a bit closer. I'd never done anything like this before and I got at the foot of the cross and I had nothing to give. I thought, well, the man said, stay and ask. So I asked and he said, the first word that came in my head was reticent. And he said, so I stood there and in my head, I said, I hand over being reticent. And then I asked them to go through the cross and by the baptism font, to receive the opposite of what they'd given. And so he got to the baptism font, and he goes, well, what's the opposite of being reticent? He said, um, not reticent. <laughs> so he said, so he received that. Now, the reason I'm sharing this story is, on Wednesday night, they went to their small group. And uh, he said he'd been going to this small group for years, he said, because they had great cheese and uh, So he was at this small group, and at the end they did what they'd always done. They said, you know, let's have a a time of prayer. And he'd never prayed out loud in his life. Never. Not once. And this night, he said, for the first time, I opened my mouth and I prayed out loud. And he said, all of a sudden I realised I wasn't reticent anymore. When I shook the hand of Eric Rarchin on January the 5th, 1985, I was no longer being reticent, but was embracing something. And so my invitation for you today is to embrace God as Father and to pray to him as Father. It's very interesting in our Bible reading in Luke chapter 11, the first verse says that the disciples, that Jesus had been praying and the disciples were watching him. I love that. The disciples were watching Jesus pray. Now, in John's gospel, Jesus goes up and down the length of the country and John's gospel, if he says it once, he says it 20 or 30 times. Jesus only did that which he saw the Father doing. Jesus asked the Father. Jesus showed the disciples the Father. He showed the crowds the Father. He did what the the Father did and he didn't do anything that the Father didn't do. In other words, Jesus' relationship with the Father was a an ever-present reality for him so that he could know either instinctively or through stopping and waiting or through sitting and contemplating what father wanted him to do and the disciples observed this lifestyle of Jesus and as Jesus actually prayed they would have heard this language from him and they were interested and so they said you know Jesus teach us to pray John taught his disciples to pray teach us to pray and the very next word that came out of Jesus mouth was father you know we call it or some people call it the our father we talk about our father in the Greek language When the word our does appear, it's father of us. So the us, the our, that doesn't come first. The first thing they hear when they say, show us how to pray, is father. And then Jesus goes on to give a couple of parables. And in the parables, the first one, he talks about a friend who appears at your house at midnight. I mean, the audacity. (laughs) But that's what happens in relationships. You can be a little bit cheeky. You can have some daring do. You can go further than you have before. You know, most of you, I wouldn't turn up at your house at midnight, but I'd turn up at Keith's house at midnight. I'd probably wait a couple of hours and make sure he's properly asleep. You know, uh, and then, then Jesus goes on and he gives another example, and that example's of a father and a son, a parent and a child. So when the disciples ask Jesus how to pray, they hear three things. Father, a friend, a parent, and a child. In other words, Jesus is saying that prayer is in the context of a relationship. And so when we talk about relational praying, we're saying know who God is, really. Know Him as a father, know Him as a friend, know Him as someone you can have the audacity to go to. Know who you are to Him and who you are in Him. You're His daughter, you're His son. That means you have access. You have access like no one else has access. Now, if your earthly parents were too busy for you, God is a perfect Heavenly Father, and he's never too busy for you. And so we don't work primarily on developing the right methodology, but we grow in knowing Heavenly Father in his heart. We we surrender any reticence that we may have to see ourselves as a church member or an attender or a believer or even a disciple and we see ourselves as a son or a daughter who has access and so we can never get it wrong our daughter moved in with us a while ago and her husband and two children one's three, one's eight months, nine months because they're getting some renovations done I've watched Grand Designs I know they'll be there longer than they say but uh, you know the nine month old and the three month old there's there's nothing that they won't ask of us. I got a text message when I got here and said that when I left and went out into the garage, the three-year-old started chanting, "Grampsy, come back! Grampsy, come back! Grampsy, come back! You know, that's what kids do. Because it's a trust relationship expressed, not a performance exam passed. You can't get it wrong when you talk to God. You can't get it wrong. Please surrender any thoughts that you can get it wrong, because you can't. You know, the the bravest prayer that I've ever heard uh, happened in New Zealand in 1976. I was the recipient of a shooting accident, got a bullet in the chest. <laughs> and uh, when I got placed into my boss's ute on a dirt road, in the hill country of New Zealand and we fishtailed our way around a couple of bends to go towards hospital my boss started praying oh god how could I be so bleep 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 stupid god what a bleep 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 idiot I am please heal Peter please rescue him please don't let him die oh god what a bleep 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 moron I am you fill in the bleeps he was a rugby playing, beer drinking hill country New Zealand sheep farmer I think you've got the beeps right. It's probably the most honest prayer I've ever heard. God doesn't shut that prayer down. He doesn't say, please fix up the language. Please clean up your emotions. Uh, Please get your theology right. No good parent says to a child, please fix up your grammar. You know, the three-year-old the other day, I came into the room. She goes, Gramps, Gramps, where you was? I don't say... um, excuse me Freya it's Gramps where were you now she'll grow into that she doesn't need her grandfather correcting her grammar when she's going to grow into it and so God doesn't correct you for getting things wrong he says good you've called me God you've called me father as you go deeper into this relationship of father your grammar will change your 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 knowing will grow I'm not going to start with what you don't know I'm just happy that you've come to me You see, with father, it's a relationship that we express. And we go deeper into the relationship. Uh, I can't remember which book I wrote it in, but I wrote it in one of them, the, the example of uh, when my father was alive. Just, just imagine if I went to my father and I said to dad, yeah, yeah please, dad, can I have $50,000? And dad says, well, what do you want $50,000 for? I said, well, I want to go to the casino and try my luck. Your second example could be, uh, Dad, I want $50,000. And he says, what do you want $50,000 for? And I said, look, I need a holiday. I'd like to go on a big cruise. The third example could be, Dad, I'd like $50,000. He says, what do you want it for? I said, look, I'd like to go out and buy a new car. The fourth example could be, Dad, I'd like $50,000. What do you want it for? Need a deposit on a house. And the final example could be, Dad, I'd like $50,000. What do you want it for? Um... One of your grandchildren's, one of our children, needs a a kidney transplant. Here's the point. Because of the relationship I have with my father, I wouldn't dream. I wouldn't dream of going to him and asking for the first two. I would never, ever, ever go and ask my dad for money to go gambling with or to go on a cruise with. You see, because of the relationship, because I know him as father, I wouldn't I wouldn't offend him by asking for things that hurt his heart, or that have the potential to hurt his heart. When it comes to a car, there may have been a time when I'd ask that, but I'd probably think, Peter, you're 63, time to buy your own car. When it comes to money for a deposit on a house, well, we did ask him for money for, well, I didn't, I mentioned how much it was going to be, and he said, how much do you need, 20, 30, 50, and I said, I'll take the 50. (laughs) And that's how come? We were able to get our first house at the age of 50. And if I said, Dad, can we have some money for a kidney transplant? He'd say, are you sure 50,000 is going to be enough? And do you need a kidney as well? You see, knowing your father's heart gives you the boldness and the audacity to go to him with whatever your midnight is. And so the key is not to work on knowing more facts about God but it's to knowing God's heart to knowing what he's like and that's why I say to people you know read the gospels just read a few verses every day of Matthew Mark Luke or John because that way you get to see Jesus you get to see who he is you get to see his character you get to see how Jesus responded and how Jesus responded is how the father responds because Jesus is the one who shows us what the father's like I love this quote from a bloke called Wayne Jacobson in his book, He Loves Me. Jesus never intended prayer to be the way we manipulate God to do what we think is best. If you look carefully at Jesus' simple statements about prayer, you will see that they are set in the midst of us participating in what God is doing. While we are invited to make any request of God we like, the prayers that move God's hand are those that grow out of trust in who he is and what he is doing. So prayer is a trust relationship expressed. And that way we can pray continually. I think it was about ten past five or quarter past five when my eyes first opened this morning, a bit earlier than I would have liked. Looked over, looked at the phone, oh, flipping heck, put the phone back down. Then when I realised I was awake, I just said, good morning, Papa. That's how I start most days, usually when I'm lying in bed, usually earlier than I'd like it to be. Good morning, Papa. Sometimes I don't. I forget, and then I'm out on my morning walk or my morning jog, and I go, oh, good morning, Father. Why do I say good morning to him? Because when I go into the kitchen, if Julie's there, I say good morning to her. She says good morning to me. I say good morning to all the people in my house. Why wouldn't I say good morning to God. You don't have to do that. That's one simple way I do of saying that prayer is not something I do at 9 o'clock, at 12 o'clock and at 3 o'clock. Prayer is a 24-7 relationship that I have with God. So I enter into that 24-7 cycle by saying good morning. Now, I'm looking at the, uh, not you, but the rest of us, we know what dial-up is, don't we? You know back in the 90s you go over you unplug your phone cable from the connection you plug in your modem you go over to your computer you start something oh you guys probably don't remember this either and you you type something in it goes and you're on you've got internet i mean slow as a 30 year old dog but you've got internet and you look up a few golf scores and uh, you look up a, a few, uh, few bits of banking and things like that and your wife's looking at you because she wants to use the phone. And so you log off and you go over, unplug the, phone, unplug the modem, plug the phone back in and that's your internet for the day. Dial up. Yeah, many of us have that approach to prayer. We're in a spot of bother. Plug in, dial up, pray, amen, unplug, Get on with your life. No, 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 no. Prayer is 24-7 wireless. Sending, receiving, sending, receiving. You know, like my phone in my pocket right now. It's updating the PGA golf score from America. I mean, I'm not looking at it right now, but it's updating it. So uh, when I do go and have a look, it's there. And that's what God's are. He's always sending. He's always sending messages of inclusion, messages of acceptance, messages of love. He sometimes sends warnings. That's what your conscience is about. You don't go, right, time time to dial up my conscience. No, when you're about to do something, your conscience bings in. That's God. Everything's God because we're created beings. We're not physical beings with a soul attached to us. We're spiritual beings with a body. And so, because we're spiritual beings, we're beings created in the image of God, he's always going to be sending and receiving. So that means prayer is a two-way conversation. It involves engaging and listening. And my friend engaged that by surrendering reticence. And the moment he surrendered reticence, he uh, surrendered control and started to realize that God is in control and that God's speaking. So he started listening now listening doesn't mean you hear voices in your head it's listening to the promptings to the knowings it's simply living loved and living in that love and that's why we do read the word you don't read the word in order to get through the bible in a year although good luck if you do you'll benefit from it but you read the word to grow in the relationship and to say father what what do you have for us today What's the time? Yeah, I'm going to keep going. So uh, I was down visiting this person. Let's let's call him Bob. I was down visiting Bob. Bob's a church planter. And uh, Bob's wife, um, Jill, was in the room. And uh, Bob and I were talking, and all of a sudden I realised what the time was and that I had an appointment with someone from Lutheran World Service And uh, I said to them, how far is Clarendon from here? And they said, oh, about 30 minutes. And I had 20 minutes. And so I said, Bob, I've got to go. But before I go, I've got to (laughs) go. Where's the toilet? On my way to the toilet, Jill, who'd been sort of listening into the conversation, said, oh, Pete, Pete, um, I've I've got this problem. You know, I'm, I'm pregnant. And this morning I woke up and... I had some strange pains and I thought I might lose the baby and and, my first reaction was I got filthily angry at God. Why do I do that? So here I am, late for an appointment that can't be changed. I've got to go to the toilet and I've just been asked that kind of question. I said, Jill, just hold that for a minute, will you? I've got to use the facilities. So I went to the facilities and in the facilities I said, God, what am I going to do? And he said, just do what you're doing now. And I said, what, have a whizzer? (laughs) He says, no, no. It's all about asking questions. Right, I immediately knew. So I went back and I said to Gillian, Gillian, I'm really, really sorry, but I'm, I'm significantly late for an appointment. You know how you asked me that question? Yes. I said, I want you to ask that same question of God. When you're out on a walk or when you're sitting in your room by yourself, or whatever you do. I want you to ask that question. I said, he will respond. I don't know how he'll respond, but he will respond. That was about six weeks later. I was running down the Amy Gillett bike track, and the Holy Spirit brought Jill to mind, gave her a ring, went to voice message, 6pm that night, Jill rang back. And she said, oh, I had a missed call from you. What, What did you want? I said, oh, I'm just following up to our conversation six weeks ago. And she said, oh, didn't I tell you? I said, no, we haven't spoken. She said, I gave him a testimony at church just last Sunday. I said, what did you give your testimony about? She said, well, you know how you suggested I ask God. Well, I asked God this question. And what I sensed him saying back is, well, the reason you get angry at me is because you don't really know me. I said, what happened then? She said to him, she said, I got incensed. What do you mean I don't know you? Then I realized I was getting angry at him again he said well you think you know me you know some facts about me but you don't really know me she goes well what does it look like to know you and finally after about seven or eight questions over a period of three weeks she got the word intimacy and she shared her testimony that she didn't think that intimacy with God was possible but now she wants to grow in a relationship of intimacy like Georgie was talking about before a vulnerability of being open before God of sharing her heart with him Three ladies, other young mums, came up to her after the service and said, can we start a group where we talk about these kind of things? So here's my point. Her prayer was simply asking God a question to which she didn't know the answer. She asked God this question, which led to this question, which led to this question, which led to this question. Not once did she receive a direct answer to the question she asked, but every time she got the next question, the previous one, didn't matter anymore. That's what it means to be led deeper into his heart. So relational prayer is not about you going to God and declaring how things are going to be. It's about you growing into the relationship with him. A man called Roland Baker said, prayer is not a tool to make things happen. It's a flow of love toward God that can bear fruit of all kinds As we submit to him and know him better. I was working with a congregation uh, somewhere in Australia for a year as a consultant just recently. And there was this man, um, he was in the leadership in the congregation and he'd asked me to spend some time with him every time I went to that city. And so we had a couple of coffees together. And uh, he he said, look, I I don't know God the, the way you do. I said, well, I think you do. He said, no, I I just know the Greek and the Hebrew. And and he said, I I know the theology. He said, but you you seem to know God personally. And I said to him, Sang, sang, it's it's like this. Next time you want to talk to God, you can uh, have a chair there and then put another chair across. And whether it's a Bible or a crucifix or something, it's not the object. You're not speaking to the object, but something that recognizes God. Just sit there and just speak to it and just pretend you know, like it is your wife or your children. He goes, but I don't know how to speak to them either. Ah, right. I said, well, just ask some questions. Anyway, we talked about this a little bit more. Probably about three months later, I had a phone call and it was sang. And he said, Peter... Uh, every morning I wake up before the rest of the house and I get my coffee and he said, the other week something funny happened. I get my coffee and I go back up the stairs and I sit on the top of the stairs, the top stair. And the other day, as I sat down on the stair, I said, Jesus, would you be sitting next to me, please? And I said, what happened then? He said, I didn't hear a voice, but it's like the voice was saying, I've always been here sitting on the chair next to you whether you've recognized me or not. And I said, what happened? He said, well, it doesn't matter what happened. That's the day my relationship changed. That's the day I started to know what you mean when you talked about intimacy. So what happened with Sang? He chose not to be reticent. And when he surrendered his reticence, he realized that the Jesus who had always been sitting next to him was now one that he recognized being there with him. So back to how I started. I went up and shook the hand of Eric Rarchan and I called him dad. Here's my invitation to you for this week ahead. Whatever you have called God before I invite you this week to go one if not more steps deeper. If You just refer to him as God. This week, I invite you to call him Heavenly Father. Hello, Heavenly Father. Good morning, Heavenly Father. If you have called him Heavenly Father, then I invite you to call him Father God. If you have called him Father God, I invite you to call him Father. If you are already comfortable with calling him and addressing him and talking to him as Father, I invite you to call him Papa God or Abba Father, or Papa. But whatever you have referred to him before, I invite you to surrender the reticence, go one step deeper than you have before, and you will find that the relationship begins to grow and enriches, and you will discover the Jesus who has always been sitting next to you. Amen.